What is one thing that would take your life from good to great? Most of us have some ideal life that we have imagined that would fill our days with excitement and meaning and satisfaction. But how many of us ever feel like we actually make it to great? It seems like we're always just lacking something we need for a great life. We don't wanna complain and our lives are good, but it just isn't great. Maybe someone taught you or you just watched other people and figure that anyone who's living happy, meaningful, satisfying lives have these fascinating and admirable careers where they're making a difference and they're experiencing exciting and adventurous social lives and sex lives. They take these amazing Instagram-worthy vacations with their perfect families and their successful, high-achieving children. They live in comfy, cozy homes straight out of a catalog and they retire young to a second home on the beach where they live out their days with plenty of savings and adventures left to live. And that may not fit you exactly, but you have some imagined perfect life. And my guess is you're not living it. And especially with all of the changes that might have come to your life in the last couple of years, when people ask you about your life, you might say things are good, but not great. And when our lives aren't great, we feel less than. Maybe you lost your job and you never imagined your life on unemployment or you never planned on being a homeschool parent, but the pandemic had other plans. Or you're newly single, or you're still single, or you're a single parent and this was not in your life plan. Or you're a few years away from retirement and it's becoming clear that you might have to work longer than you planned. And you're beginning to feel like everyone else is achieving their goals and living their best life. And you're just missing out it feels like your life is less than. It's good, but it's not great. But what if great was never what you were designed to experience? Now, that might sound depressing to you, but here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that Jesus offers all of us a rich and satisfying life that has nothing to do with what the world considers greatness. Greatness isn't the goal, but goodness it is. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus isn't as interested in getting you and me to one day make it to a good place after we die, but He's interested in getting goodness into us. He wants to make us good people, and from His goodness within us, we can live rich and satisfying lives, no matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in. And in this video, that's what we're going to discover together. What is the good life that Jesus has in store for all of us? And no matter who you are or what you believe about God, I hope you'll stay tuned because no matter what you think about God, I believe He can't stop thinking about you. He's for you and He only has a good life in mind for you. And believe it or not, it's better than the great life that you might have imagined. Hi, my name is Heidi and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere.
In the early first century, Jesus of Nazareth started going through the towns and villages of ancient Palestine doing miraculous healings and signs. He fed thousands. He taught about the good news of the kingdom of God. And the message was, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, when the people of Israel heard this, they thought it was about a political revolution. They thought, this is when God brings us a new king to make Israel great again. Bring us out of poverty and oppression and into wealth and prosperity and power. They thought the promise of the kingdom of God was like every other political campaign in history. I'm gonna bring you greatness. Your life will be great if you follow me. You'll get so tired of winning with my kingdom. But that wasn't the way a Jesus kingdom. For Jesus, winning meant losing. Greatness looked like being a slave to all. I mean, Jesus wasn't going after the wealthy elite or the influencers or the powerful politicians of his day. His movement was built by despised tax collectors, prostitutes, fishermen, the poor, the sick, the blind. Jesus once taught about his kingdom like this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The invitation of Jesus is come and die. Earthly kingdoms ask you to come and kill to defend our kingdom, but the kingdom of God says, come and die to enter the kingdom. Radically different. Jesus also said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this isn't some cutesy saying about the innocence of childhood. In Jesus' day, children were ignored at best, despised at worst. Children had no rights, no dignity. Jesus said to a group of grown adults struggling to be considered worthy of respect, just as a Jewish man who was despised by the Romans in power over them, that if they want greatness in God's kingdom, they need to be humble and lowly like a child. That's not a great growth strategy, Jesus. You're supposed to sell people on the benefits, promise them greatness. You don't invite them into a life of serving and self-denial and death. That's just the way of the kingdom. Jesus isn't interested in a kingdom where we receive admiration and accolades and success in the eyes of our coworkers and neighbors. He's not interested in being a means to our ends of our greatness, but he's, he's interested in our goodness in making us good like God is good, in us becoming the servants of all loving and humble people who elevate the dignity and worth of those around us, even if it ruins our reputation and status. That's the kingdom Jesus preached. But let's be honest, that's not attractive to many of us. What many of us want the good news of the kingdom to be is a ticket to heaven or some kind of formula for health and wealth and prosperity, or we want it to be the path to inner peace and self-improvement. But all of those things are just a means to an end, and the ends are my greatness. You and I have spent our whole lives dreaming and scheming and planning and studying and working to build great lives just the way we want them. The great job, the great marriage, the great kids, the great adventures, the great achievements, the great impact you could make on the world. You know what you want out of life, and for many of us, Jesus just doesn't fit in that plan. 
If he does, we're just looking for him to bless our plans. You know, give us some of his power or some resources or some magic Jesus-y stuff to get our great life. We treat Jesus like he's an investor. And we got to show him our business plans and our credentials and our vision boards and get him on board with us. Or you think of Jesus like insurance. All you really want from Jesus is for him to handle your afterlife because you get, I can't do anything about that. But you got all the plans and the know-how, all the ability you need to accomplish a great life here on your own. Jesus can take care of your afterlife. This life, he's mostly irrelevant to it. Either get on board with my kingdom, my greatness, or just wait until I'm ready for you, Jesus, when I need to get into heaven. But can I just make clear to you? Jesus is not a means to your ends. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords, the God of the universe. He's the only one who is great and greatly to be praised. The good news of the kingdom doesn't start with you and what you want. It starts with Jesus. And Jesus said, the time that God promised has come. So this is something God promised, not something you asked for. It's different. This is God's agenda, not yours. The kingdom of God has come near. What do you need to do about it? Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Repent means to do an about face. It means to completely rethink everything you thought before and then live differently. All those regrets you have, all the sinful things you did because you thought they would make you happy or give you freedom or make your life great, you need to turn away from them. You need to rethink everything you think makes your life great because your idea of greatness has only ruined your life. You need to believe, you need to accept what God says is the best way to do life. For Jesus, here's what the good news of the kingdom is. The time has come, life with God is available. The kingdom is simply this, life with God, right here, right now, and forever. It's what Jesus called eternal life, which isn't about a quantity of life or how long your life is. It's a quality of life, how good your life is. It's not about getting you good things on earth or getting you into a good place in heaven. It's about getting goodness into you. It's about making you good, like God is good and it's a rich and satisfying or abundant life. A life so full that it never runs out. Even physical death can't stop it. What is eternal life in its most basic terms? Well, Jesus defined it. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, the kingdom of God, a rich and satisfying life, a truly good life, is knowing God by knowing Jesus Christ. And not know, knowing some things about God, not believing some ideas about God. It's knowing God, like you know your spouse or your children or a good friend. It's the kind of knowledge that comes from life on life interaction. The life you were made for, a rich and satisfying good life, is a life where you can intimately and personally know God. You see, the difference between the good news Jesus preached and the good news of greatness is that in the good news of greatness, Jesus is a means to my ends. I use Jesus to get what I want. In the good news of the kingdom, Jesus is both the means and the ends. Because if Jesus is what I want, then when I follow Jesus, I get Jesus right now and forever. 
One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. This is the beginning of Jesus' longest recorded and most famous sermon. Many scholars believe that this wasn't just a one-time sermon, but his frequent teachings about life in the kingdom of God. It's a glimpse into the promise of life with God. And here's how Jesus taught it. Blessings on the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Blessings on the mourners. You are gonna be comforted. Blessings on the meek. You're gonna inherit the earth. And blessings on the people who hunger and thirst for God's justice. You're gonna be satisfied. Blessings on the merciful. You will receive mercy yourself. And it goes on like this for a little bit, but I think you see the theme here. Jesus is pronouncing that those who the world would consider opposite of blessed are really those who are truly blessed. The word we translate as blessed or blessings or even happy is the Greek word makarios, which is often used as a greeting like congratulations. Whenever a person received good news or a gift at a wedding and birth of a child, or when financial blessing was received, or someone got a job, people would say, Makarios, blessed are you, congratulations. And Jesus begins his sermon addressing those that feel unblessed, the financially poor, the poor in spirit, those who are hopeless and depressed, those who are mourning and grieving, those who are meek and forgotten and stepped on by society. To those people, Jesus says, Makarios, congratulations, you are blessed. And it's not some kind of twisted sarcasm or a cruel joke. Jesus isn't trying to make them see the silver lining in their situation or even trying to say that God wants you to be poor or grieving. What Jesus is trying to do is flip their view of greatness upside down. Just like in our day, the people in Jesus's day had an idea of who was great or blessed. And it's always been the same. A great life, a blessed life, is one where things go as you plan them. You meet your goals, you achieve your dreams, and not everyone's dreams are the same, but the blessing is that you get what you want. And if your life isn't as you want it to be, or you're not moving in that direction, then you feel less than you feel like you didn't live up to your potential. You feel like your life is rather meaningless. If he were in our culture, Jesus might speak to the high school dropouts, those who never went to college, those who work minimum wage jobs or who go to work to do work every day that they find meaningless or beneath them, to the single moms or those who are still waiting to become mothers to the children in foster care, and to those who are neglected altogether, to those who have broken families and don't see their children and grandchildren as much as it seems that other people do, to those who feel forgotten in senior living facilities or prisons or rehab centers, to those who lost their dream or it feels out of reach or life will never be as you imagined, to all of you, Congratulations. And it might feel like a cruel joke or a slap in the face. What in the world is he congratulating me for? What blessings do we have? Here's the blessing. The kingdom of God has come near to you. 
You are not less than. You have not missed your shot or failed to live up to your potential. I know you feel less than when you go to a job you hate. I know when you can't see your kids every night, you feel less than. I know when you see every family on Instagram, you feel like yours is less than, but you're not less than anyone. Why? Because through Jesus, you have the same opportunity to know God as anyone else. There is nothing holding you back from experiencing the good and pleasing, rich and satisfying eternal life of God's kingdom. Not your GPA, not your credit score, not your work history or your criminal history, not your failed marriages or the mistakes that you made in parenting or the wrongs that were done to you. Nothing can come between you and the good life you were made to live. Because the good news of the kingdom isn't about making your life great. It's about making you good. It's about offering you the chance to know God and live with God and experience His goodness and then allowing His goodness to make you good. So congratulations. Have you heard the good news? The kingdom of God is available to you. And then Jesus said what could quite possibly be the most ridiculous thing he said up to this point. After Jesus has said, blessed are those who are seen as less than, you who are poor and mourning, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for justice, or blessed are those who are oppressed, those who the system has intentionally been designed to disadvantage and make inferior, blessed are you. Why? Because in God's kingdom, God's way of ordering society you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In other words, anyone who follows me, even if they are less than in this world, you are the true difference makers. You are the hope of the world. You're the real movers and shakers. And I wonder if at this point, people are tempted to just roll their eyes a little. I mean, it feels a little too idealistic. The poor, the mourners, the oppressed, they're the difference makers. But I bet people looked around the crowd and saw the poor sick, the blind, the powerless, and thought, Jesus is clearly doing something powerful here, and these are the people he's choosing. Maybe he knows something we don't, which, by the way, Jesus always knows something you don't. But we don't have to guess. We can just look throughout history. The movement of Christianity that overcame the oppression and persecution of the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the world at that time, it was a movement in the first 300 years largely composed of the poor and powerless, women and slaves, foreigners and orphans and widows. Those who had power and wealth when they joined the church, they intentionally gave it up for the sake of others. And it wasn't just in ancient Rome this happened. It's in China, in the Middle East, all over Africa right now. The places where Christianity is exploding is growing among the poor and the powerless. It's just a fact of history. It's because Jesus is not interested in what the world considers greatness. Now that isn't to say if you are rich and privileged and powerful that you can't enter the kingdom of God. I will say that Jesus said it would be very, very difficult and that it would be only possible if someone submitted to God's help. But I think it may be very possible that the more power, the more privilege, the more wealth you have in this world, 
the less attractive this kind of kingdom is. Because the world is working for you right now as it is. You aren't interested in a new kingdom that's gonna turn it all upside down. You might be interested in Jesus getting you into heaven or blessing you with more wealth and prosperity or some inner peace and self-improvement. But when Jesus says to enter my kingdom, you have to take the lowest position like that of a child. You have to deny yourself and die. That isn't what many of us are looking for. But if, and this is the if, if I want Jesus more than I want greatness, if I want Jesus more than I want him to help me get my dreams and goals accomplished, if I want Jesus more than I want anything else, if knowing Jesus and his love and his goodness is what I really want, then congratulations, good news, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, we are more formed and shaped by who we love than what we know or what we do. I never cared about flowers or beautiful sunsets or here's one, Hallmark Christmas movies until I had four little girls who really care about those things. And now I can talk about the beautiful colors in a rainbow or how the petals of a flower make me feel. Not because I find any of that interesting, but because I love my daughters and being with them and that's what they're doing all the time. So I do what they do because I wanna be with them. And over time, it changes what I care about and what I think about things and my habits and my behaviors. Not because I decided to change those thoughts or those passions or those behaviors, but because I love them more than all these other things. And for 2000 years, Jesus has been inviting ordinary people like you and me into a life where we can find a rich and satisfying life as we love him more and more. He's inviting us to make him the object of our love and affection, more than the career we've always wanted, more than the family we've always wanted, more than the respect and admiration and power we've always wanted. Jesus is inviting us to love him more than any of these other things. Because when we love him more than anything else, we start to care about and consume our minds, not with our own dreams and our own desires, but what he cares about. And when we want to spend time with him, we give up our selfish and harmful and lustful and greedy and bitter words and thoughts and actions, and we act and speak and behave as he would. And it may not lead us to achieving a great life of wealth and success or power and excitement and pleasure, but it will form us into good people, the kind of people who easily think and speak and act like Jesus, the kind of people who care about and love what Jesus loves. Salt of the earth, light of the world, blessed kind of people. And this is what you want for your life. And it isn't some kind of consolation like, well, I guess I'll take the good life because I'm not good enough or smart enough or strong enough to get a great life. It's a choice to give up the never ending pursuit of whatever greatness is for you. Because when greatness is your goal, Every day feels like a race and a competition. Every person feels like an obstacle to overcome or an opponent to be defeated or an annoyance and frustration to be avoided. And you put too many expectations and too much pressure and all your disappointment on the people you care about most because they are meant to fulfill your life. And every moment is full of stress and hurry and worry and disappointment that nothing is ever as enjoyable or as fulfilling as you were promised. 
because greatness is always just out of reach. But when knowing and loving Jesus is your goal, then you give up the race because there's nothing you can do to earn God's love or deserve a relationship with Him. Jesus has already done everything for you on the cross. And life in the kingdom is simply a gift you receive, not something you accomplish or grasp. Life becomes like the famous words of Psalm 23. God is your shepherd who protects and provides for you a good life. And you lack nothing, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. And suddenly you can relax, and you can rest. You view every moment as a gift, every person as a blessing and an opportunity to love Jesus more by loving and serving this person made in his image. Every day is an adventure of knowing and loving God more by growing in his goodness and being made over in his image. And when that's your goal, suddenly when people ask how your life is going, you aren't left with the consolation of saying, it's good, it's just not great. Instead, we celebrate our goodness over our lack of greatness. We can say, it's not great, but it sure is good. Throughout this series, we're going to be looking at this sermon of Jesus where he outlines what a life lived in the kingdom looks like. He teaches us how to deny ourselves, to repent of our ideas of what the great life looks like, and to die to ourselves and be born again into a kingdom of goodness where you and I can experience the goodness and the eternal life of heaven right here and now and it will carry over into our eternity with the God we love most. And I want to invite you to stick with us throughout this series because I think you're going to find that the God who loves you has a good life plan for you. And we want to help you take your next steps into the life God has in store for you. But we need to hear from you. All you have to do is text the number on the screen with the words next step and someone from our team will reach out to you and see how we can help you to take your next steps into the life of the kingdom of God. But no matter what step you take, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He cannot stop thinking about you.